podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. It's Russ from My Hammers 11. I hope you're safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and hitting the bell notification so you're notified anytime we put new content on. We've got videos going up daily, lots of great guests, including today's guest. He's a broadcaster, a political commentator, publisher. It's Mr. Ian Dale. Hi, Ian. How are you? Hello, not too bad, thank you. Enjoying lockdown, bizarrely. Are you? I never thought. Yeah, I've been. Um, this is day seventy-one for me. I'm a type two diabetic, so I've got to be a little bit careful. And I literally have hardly been out of the house. I think I've been up to the corner shop about five times, and and that's it. But um, and I'm broadcasting every night on LBC from my bedroom, which is where I am now. Shut yeah. the curtains because it's uh, don't want to level light too much. But yeah, I'm actually quite quite enjoying it, which I feel a little bit guilty about because I know a lot of people are really having a yeah tough time. Um, but I'm not going to pretend. I'm actually quite enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's not in a, in a weird way. It's nice when it comes to the weekends. There's no for me particularly. Uh, there's no pressure to do stuff you know feel like you know when before we could go anywhere we felt like we had to do something so we didn't wait waste a nice weekend but now we can't so it's just like ah. and you can you just catch up on things that you haven't done for like five or ten years around the house and uh, i've got two dogs they quite like having me around all the time so yeah i can't deny it's been it hasn't been a bit any kind of hardship for me and not going on the train to london every day is an absolute boost yeah, exactly, and and so yeah, you save quite a bit on that as well. You know, the training, the train, and the uh, and the car park at the station and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I've noticed that. Yeah, for me as well. Um, and you know, nowadays anyone can do their job really, as long as they, well, most of them, if it's an office-based job, they've got a computer and a decent internet connection. So uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's it's the new it'll be the new norm now. So um, you know, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah. Anyway, and, and obviously, yeah, the only downside is, you know, with obviously what we're wearing is there's no there's no football really. Although we haven't lost for a number of months now, <laughs> <laughs> so David Moyes has got the longest you know, unbeaten it, run. It, it's really weird because I haven't actually missed it. I mean, no. I know that's a really weird thing to say for somebody who runs a West Ham blog, and um, I, I've kind of learnt to live without football and yeah. I think this has been a season of frustrations anyway and um, I and I also don't want the season to restart because yeah. I just don't see that it's fair to restart it um, it's almost like a different sport if you haven't got a crowd there as well mm. um, I think if you watch any of the Bundesliga games it's like watching a village football match which is yeah. entertaining in its own way i suppose but it's just yeah. not the same no. so i'd rather just finish the season here not have any relegation allow the top three clubs uh, well if they want to play playoffs fine but have the top two clubs or three clubs in the championship come up you have 24 or 25 teams in the premier league next season and then relegate five of them now to me that seems a really sensible yeah. solution um, but I, of course, the Premier League doesn't really do sensible. Does it? No, no, exactly. I mean, the way the Scot, I mean, obviously the Scottish League, they 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 sort of stopped, didn't they? And now there's they're trying to do a 14, 14, 14 proposal. Hearts did because obviously they went down. Um, and I think that's the fairest way. I think I totally agree. You know, everyone moves up, everyone bumps up a couple, um, and yeah, it just seems fair. You know, if it, whatever happens, whatever happens, whether it whether they you know whether it, it does go on, which looks like it will do, or whether they go to a you know an unweighted point system to conclude the season, or a weighted points. You'll have a whole sort of Sheffield United West Ham again. If they do that, 
we're stuffed, aren't we? If they do we, that, we, I think we're stuffed we if they go weighted. If they go weighted, we're stuffed. If they go unweighted, which they did in Ligue 1, um, and I think it was a Belgium league, then we're okay. We stay up on goal difference. Right. It's the West Ham well, way. You know full well. You know full well that whatever they do, it'll be to stuff us because that's what that's what they always do. <laughs> For some reason, even though I find I don't know what you find, a lot of my friends always treat West Ham as a sort of second team. But in the upper echelons of football, they hate us. Yeah, no, it's true. I know what you mean. And yeah, it's it's a toss up. Basically, it's a coin toss between us and Bournemouth. You know, they're going to go with Bournemouth, aren't they? Just, they just are, yeah, just because of where they are. Anyway, well, let's not worry about that. Let's, 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 look up, let's look back, and that's the idea of this channel. The idea is we go around and we interview people of um, all different ages, all over the world, all West Ham fans about their memories, uh, and also the players that meant something to them or maybe didn't mean something to them. It's, uh, you know, we've got yeah. a few videos come up which are more anti-players, which will be quite interesting. But um, in terms of you, Ian, sort of, what would you say would be sort of your, your, your fondest West Ham memories? Obviously, you've been a fan for many, many years. Are there any that stick out or you might, might have met some of your boyhood heroes or something like that? Um, <coughs> I think in terms of games, there are two that stick out for me. Yeah. One at Upton Park. Well, two at Upton Park and one not. Um, let's start with the one that wasn't. And that would be the 2006 Cup final in Cardiff, which whenever I talk about it, I get quite emotional and I can feel I can feel myself getting emotional now. Because to me, even though we lost it, we really didn't in many ways. It's the the only game where I've come out of the stadium and didn't feel as though we'd lost because it was such an amazing game. You kind of knew because it was West Ham. If we went 2-0 up, well, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. But even there was a, there were so many points in that. I thought, no, we are going to win this. We are going to win this. And you can't really. I mean, that last minute goal. People want to blame Scaloni. They want to blame whoever. Actually, it was just one of those fluke moments. Yes, it was a skillful moment, but let's not pretend it was a bit of a fluke. Yeah. Um, and I can remember, I was because. That, there was a bit of a build-up to that in that I, I obviously had a season ticket, um, but my friend who I sat with had had a season ticket since 1958. He, he saw Bobby Moore's debut, can you believe? And he, he hadn't got a ticket for the cup final. And being the soft idiot that I am, I said, well, you must have mine. And as, as I said the words, I thought, you bloody idiot, why are you doing this? So anyway, he, he did have my ticket. And I wrote about it on, on the West Ham Till I Die site. And um, I think it was Dennis Campbell, who's the health editor of The Guardian. Um, he thought it was sort of wrong that I wouldn't be able to go. And somehow he got me a ticket. So I was sitting on my own and I didn't have that sort of community thing yeah, that yeah. goes on. in. Uh, um, but I can remember walking out of the stadium afterwards. And obviously I was gutted. Yeah. Um, but Liverpool fans were, were coming up to me. and and sort of saying oh mate you were robbed um we shouldn't have won that blah 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 and i've never i've never had that no. at any football match ever since um so i've always had a bit of a soft spot for liverpool ever since then mm. and um and whatever happens at the end of the season i hope they are awarded the championship mm. because they completely deserve it so that would be that's one match that i will remember forever I think two others, well, I mean, and I'm sure everyone says this one, but the, the last match at Upton Park, I mean, who, who's ever going to forget that? 
and it was it was really um emotional because we all have our pre-match routines and post-match routines and the whole time i was thinking i'm never going to do this again yeah. i'm never going to see that person again um i mean i used to um leave my car with some guys on barking road there was a sort of garage unit there and they would oh. wash it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and i'd been doing it for like well 20 years and i can remember when i bought a really expensive new car once and I told a friend that, oh, no, I, I just leave it with, with, with this group group of 10 black guys on um, Barking Road. And they, they looked at me in a slightly racist manner, it has to be said. And I said, no, 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 look, mate, if they were going to nick the car, they would have done it before now. Yeah. Um, and they, they really became friends. They, they would listen to me on the radio whenever I was on the television. They would say, oh, I saw you on the television. And we just like, built up this kind oh. of weird friendship. And I can remember sort of... See, I'm tearing up again. Le <laughs> leaving my car with them for the last time and picking it up and thinking, I'll never see you again. Yeah. And I haven't. Um, and, and going to the to going to Ken's Cafe every match and, and really um, sort of making some good... I mean, I met a lot of famous people in that. I mean, it was just a real congregation of yeah. con area for people to congregate before the match. But Carol, who was the sort of matriarch of the whole place, um, actually, I have kept in touch with her a bit. Um, Billy, her her grandson, who was always there serving, you, I miss that now. Yeah. And I I was all in favour of the move to the Olympic Stadium, um, but I do miss those kind of pre-match yeah. routines because it's not the same. There. No. Now, it was never going to be, and it is invidious actually to compare the two places. Um, and mm. I still, I'm one of the few, few people I think actually really quite like the Olympic Stadium. I love it, yeah. Oh, do you? Oh, that's interesting. I've got to find someone else who does. And I really don't buy into this thing that, oh, it's got no atmosphere. It's got a great atmosphere when we're winning and playing well, exactly. just as Upton Park has. Upton yeah. Park, when we were playing badly, was not a pleasant place to be. <laughs> not at all. And they would even more, even more so, even more so. I'd say. Well, I think, I think so. It, it's a bit, it's a bit like um, you get to a certain age, and the decade that you grew up in was always the halcyon period. All oh, things mm. aren't like they were in the good old days. Well, people have got a bit like that about um, the, the Olympic Stadium. That people say, oh, it's not a football stadium. It is a football stadium because football is played in it. Um, it's a bowl. It's a slightly different shape to other football stadiums. But you look in Europe, and there are lots of football stadiums yeah. that are, are a similar shape. And I don't think that it's beyond the wit of architects to make that, over the course of the next 10 years, much more like a traditional football stadium, sort yeah. of put in, put in the corners a bit. You can add yeah. in seats. Um, I, I think, I mean, I'd like to see West Ham actually own the place rather mm. than rent it. I'm not sure that's ever going to happen. But you could easily take out the collapsible seats and re-grade re them. You could make them a lot um, less steep yeah. uh, and have the seats nearer the pitch if you really wanted to. Um, and I think if we're successful, that, that will come. Because, look, uh, on a normal match day, that it takes, is it... 60,000 now, it can yeah, go up 60, to 66, yeah. I think, yeah, or maybe yeah. even a little, yeah. bit beyond, a little bit beyond that. Well, I mean, if we if we get in the top six ever, we're going to need all those seats. Yeah. Because, I mean, you can't trust the attendance um, 
numbers that you get at the moment because we can all see that there are empty spaces but at most matches there are well over 50,000 there yeah uh, and that and remember when we were at Upton Park few people thought we would ever be able to get anywhere near filling it for no. more than maybe five or six games no. a, a season yeah totally and I, and I'm I'm with I'm with you Ian I, I think yeah we, you miss the you miss the romance you know, you missed the because it because Green because it was like so close to Green Street and you know they same with all modern gate modern sort of stadiums. I think the same true with Wembley. You know, Wembley I find very sterile, and that's why I loved when we went to Cardiff yeah. because you were similar to Green Street and Upton Park. You were in the middle. Of, you know, Millennium yeah. Stadium was bang in the middle, and you had the pubs and. But it is what you said. You know, it is it's sort of the it's more of a. I mean, you know, it's an it's an impressive stadium. I mean, from a from a logistic side and you know i i don't have a problem getting there you know upton park if that district line went down you are buggered you know you are absolutely buggered you know yep, there's and so you know it's very well connected you know in terms of you know the infrastructure you know the the old girl bless her was falling apart you know i still had like a tape deck you know there and stuff so you know it's like there's so much more you know it's just a lot more slicker in terms of the operation um, and that's where we have yeah. to be seen to be to be there anyway we can talk about the the, yeah. the, the all day let's let's talk about your 11 ian so as i said what we're doing we're, we're talking to lots of people getting their their 11 their hammers 11 so we try and keep it to a 442 if we can but i'm happy to move things around for you um yeah. the only rule we like to the sort of the, the, the rule we like to keep is you have to be alive to have seen them play Okay, so the reason being is otherwise well, everyone would I, just... I have, I have given this a lot of thought. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. And I picked one or two that people will be surprised by, I because I, I just want to talk about them. Um, and, I mean, I first went to West Ham in, I think, 74, 75. I went to see a home match against Chelsea, which we lost 1-0. Alan Devonshire, no. Um, Alan Kerbishley was making his debut in that match. And I can remember the, head, the headlines on the back page of the Daily Express sort of saying, this is the next Trevor Brooking. Yeah. Um, well, they were wrong there. But, um, and it was, I can remember, my, my uncle lived in Epic, so he came in on the tube and yeah. walked down the tube station. And 11, 12 years old, yeah. And I came from a little village in North Essex, never been to London before. And I, my eyes were on stalks. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I was almost sort of hanging on to my dad for dear life. Yeah. And um, it was very, very, very bizarre. And we were standing um, in the bottom of the West Stand, uh, I think. Yes, we were. And it was an amazing experience, and I was hooked yeah. from then on. Now, I didn't go to many more matches in the 70s. hardly went to a match in the 80s. It was only really at the beginning of the 90s I went regularly. And I don't know why I didn't in the 80s, because I, I still only went very occasionally, and only mm. if somebody took me, um, which I look back on, I think, well, why didn't you go? It's bizarre. Yeah. Um, so it was only really in the promotion scene. Um, what was it, 91, 92 that yeah, I started yeah. going regularly and got a season ticket and um, I've, I've suffered ever since. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. So you've got quite, you've got quite a nice, a nice you know, spread of, of decades to, to pick, yeah. which, is, which is good. Okay, right, so who's going to go in goal for the, the Dale 11 then? Who's between the sticks? Well, it's actually quite a difficult one, this, because 
we have had some really good goalkeepers, but we've mm. also had some pretty average or, or mediocre. <laughs> and I, I, in the end, I've gone for Robert Green. Yeah. Um, because I think overall he was very consistent. He made one or two mistakes, um, but he, you, you, you felt confident with him, mm. and he he inspired confidence yeah. in the back four. And let's face it, over the past few seasons, that hasn't happened all the time, has it? Um, I mean, Fabianski, if if he'd had if I mean, he could come into the reckoning if he's here for another two or three years because he is a signing that I didn't want. I don't like when West. I don't like it when West Ham buy players that have been relegated. Yeah. Because there's usually a reason why they've been relegated. Yeah. Okay, there's the odd one that you think actually no, that, that wasn't their fault. Um, and, <coughs> and I was never that impressed with him at Arsenal. But all my Arsenal fans said friends um, said that he was really good and that he'd be a really good signing for us and obviously he has been um, but Robert Green I always like players that come from Norwich because they're kind of my second team and West Ham if you look at the over the years West Ham have bought some fabulous players from Norwich yeah. City Dean Ashton yeah. um, Graham Padden um, I'm sure there's one or two others that if I researched it, I could come up with. Yeah. But Robert Green was somebody that I really wanted us to sign because we did need a good goalkeeper at that time. Um, I was sorry that he left in the way that he did. I think now he probably regrets that um, doing it in that way. Yeah. Um, I think he had further business to do at Upton Park. And there was a rumour once he was going to come back, I think when he was about 38 or 39, and we were really light Struggling. on goalkeepers, yeah. but it, it never actually happened. So, yeah, he would be my number one goalkeeper. Um, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know who I would say was number two. Probably, Lud I mean, McCloskey. I mean, in some ways, I feel guilty about not putting him number one because I did see a lot of his games in the 90s, in the 90s and he was phenomenal. Um, and I got a real kick when he followed me on Twitter and DM'd me. That was a real highlight of my life. Um, so... I, I sort of feel I maybe should have picked him as number one, but I think you inevitably you gravitate towards people that you've seen more recently, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. You do, you do. And, and Green has a great shout. I think, he's, yeah, he's, well, as you said, Mr. And, Reliable. And he, he was an England goalkeeper. Um, he was, and, and he won the European Cup with Chelsea as yeah, well. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as he as he still talks about quite fun and and I just think he doesn't take himself particularly seriously as a you know on his iterations on Twitter and he's been on the Peter Crouch yeah. podcast and stuff. I like yeah. players who don't take themselves too seriously. I think that's something we've we've lost in the professional game recently. You know, very, everyone's yeah. very professional, um, but actually, you know, there are normal people. Right? Okay, Greeno's in goal. Uh, let's let's go uh, let's go left back then, Ian. Who have we got left back? Well, I've got Julian Dix. I mean, yeah. I suspect most people who yeah. do this say Julian Dix. Um, I didn't see him play in much in his first iteration. Um, or did I? You said a couple of no, years. I have, no, I must, I must have done uh, overlapped a couple of years. Um, and when, when he came back, I think we were all just so delighted, even though we knew his injury record, everyone wanted him back. And there aren't that many players who you would welcome back, but he was certainly one of them. And I just loved his commitment. I loved his penalties. Um, I just thought he... I'm not sure that he was a brilliant influence in the dressing room, if, mm. uh, if I'm honest. I think he was one of those characters who probably wasn't a particular team player. I'd love to have seen him play for England. So I think if he'd established himself in the England team, it would have been very difficult to dislodge him, yeah. uh, although he would have been up, up against Stuart Pearce, I suppose. 
Um, so yeah, Julian Dix definitely left that. Yep, good chat, good chat. And as I said, and as I because obviously they've replayed the '96 Euros, haven't they, on ITV recently? And because obviously that was the big thing. He was going to probably be in that squad, and then yeah. apparently he had a, he had a yeah. head, yeah, haircut like you and mine, and and uh, and he wasn't allowed in, and he would have taken yeah, a penalty. Like his was taken. out of choice. I know, yeah, and he would have, similar for me at the moment, um, and, <laughs> and he would have taken a penalty, I think, in the semi-finals yeah. if he played, so who knows. Yeah, that's anyway, let's yeah. put Julian in. Okay, let's go, let's go right back. Let's go the other side. Who have we got right back, Liam? Well, here is one that everybody will think, what is he on about? Sebastian Schemmel. No, he was in mine. Schemmel was in mine. Really? Yeah. Well, he had that one season where he could do no wrong. He was outstanding. Um, and I like a right back who can overlap. I like mm. a quick right back. I like a right back who can cross the ball properly. They do have to be able to defend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but he just looked the complete player. And then it was like the second album syndrome in, the, in, the, in his next season. I can't remember whether he got injured or whether he just completely lost form, yeah. but he was never the same player again. And then, then he left. And I think he now runs a bar in Luxembourg, which has got some West Ham, I think it's called Upton Park or something. So he clearly loved his time at West Ham, but it was, he was one of those players. And there's a couple of others I would put into this category. You think, well, they, they could have been really good. Yeah. And I just don't know what, why he wasn't. The, the other one, and I was tempted to put him in as well, but it would have been ridiculous, uh, was Matthew Rush. Remember him? Yeah, Matty Rush, yeah, yeah. Um, when he when he first came on the scene in the what mid early to mid 1990s yep. Yep. I just thought what a player he had a, an amazing body he just had the perfect foot midfielders body mm. I thought um, he was really powerful could run as a defense uh, could score long-range goals good with his head um, but again, he was another one that just drifted off. I was gutted when he, I think it was, did he go to Norwich City or Northampton? One of the, I think it was Something Norwich. Something like that, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but he, never, he never did anything anywhere else, really. No. Um, and he, he was one that I thought if he need, Harry Redknapp was manager at the time, and I just thought he's one of those players that Harry needs to really put his arm around and really get him to, um, and I remember having a discussion with Harry Redknapp when I interviewed him once about him, and he absolutely agreed with me. He said he was one of the most talented players he'd ever seen, but he just didn't cut it in the Think end. I, um, I yeah. thought they let him go. They let him go too quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a great shout with Shemmel. I think we've got three Hammer of the Years in your first three picks. Yes. So obviously yeah. Shemmel famously won that, didn't he? His, his only decent season was. Right, let's go for centre-back. So who's your first centre-back, Lillian? Well, again, everyone will pick Billy Bonds that saw him play. Yeah. Um, I didn't see him play that often, but um, he, you couldn't really ignore him. I mean, he, he is now... Uh, every he just represents West Ham in the same way that Trevor mm. Brooking does. He's a very. I remember I met him uh, about six or seven years ago. Um, for, for some reason, and I hate doing this, but for some reason, I was. I think it's because my my dad came to a game. Um, a Blackpool supporter, he was. No, it must actually that must be more than longer ago than that. Anyway. Um, for some reason we had tickets in the director's box get me um and um so we we were in the sort of room beforehand and billy bonds came in and 
I can't remember if I walked up to him or whether I, I was probably introduced to him because I, I hate walking up to people I don't know. Yeah. And we just, we had a conversation and I, I knew that he was quite a shy person, not a man of not many words, but it was a bit like, and here's, here's a, another big name drop. It was a bit like when I met the queen, I thought that she had no small talk whatsoever. But I talked to her for five minutes as if I'd known her for a long time. She was great company. And as he proved to be, yeah. um, he, he, just a really, really lovely guy and um, hadn't been treated well by the club in, in many, many ways. And I think that that was the part, part of his um, coming back. And of course, then they named the stand mm. after him. And he's just somebody that, that we all idolise. So and, and he, he could play, obviously played in midfield and cent, uh, central defence. Bit like Declan Rice, um, so he would definitely be first first on the team sheet. Yeah, great, good shout, and an, another hammer of the year, I believe. You, you reckon up, I believe. Um, okay, so yeah, who's awesome. who's he who's he going to partner in the centre defence? Who's Bonds are going to partner? Alvin, Alvin, Martin. Uh, again, I mean, I can't think of any central defender that's played for West Ham since Rio Ferdinand left that you would consider to be in that defensive partnership. Mm. Um, we've had some good central defenders, but we haven't had any great central defenders, mm. I, I would say, over the last 20 years. Um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't, I can't think of anybody that you would be fit to lick Alvin Martin's boots or Billy Bond's boots. So it has to be Alvin Martin. Yeah. And I did see, um, obviously he was quite right at the end of his career, when I got first got my season ticket, but you just he was a, he was a lovely player to watch. You had all, every confidence in him. You knew that if he tackled somebody, he would get the ball, mm. um, and everybody looked up to him. All the other players looked up to him, and another hammer of the year. Indeed, you reckon him up, Ian. That's good. <laughs> there must be a you know. I think at the end, well, I'd like to at the end. I'll count, you know probably offline. I uh, you probably got a good a few thousand probably games under your belt when you sort of put all your team together as well, which yeah. is great. All right. Alvin's in and again you know I've said it before you know I, I, I there's a few West Ham players that I call you know adopt, uh, adopted cockneys and Alvin's one of them you know yeah. Scouser they came from Liverpool um, and still lives in the area just got it just got it and the fans loved him and you know who, and, and, who, that, and that, sorry. that wonderful moment when um, David his son played was yeah. it um, against Chelsea, Chelsea. Yeah. And that that moment after the game, um, I think that will live with them for a long time. Exactly, and obviously Alvin was the the MC for when we did the Bobby Moore, when we uh, the Billy Bond stand reveal, you know, and you know he's he's a great he's a great yes. man, Alvin. So yeah, okay, let's go yeah. into midfield. Let's go uh, let's go left wing. Who have we got left wing? I probably can guess you left wing, but um, we'll have a go based on what you said before. Well, uh, I. Um, my midfield, let's put it this way, is not a very hard tackling midfield. But you've um, got that I, in defence, okay. Well, I do, but um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I put, um, well, you see, the problem is that at least three of these midfielders played on the left. So um, I, I would have to change the formation a little bit. Um, I, I, would, I would pick Dimitri Payet, actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, he is a terrible individual as a person I think I, I hated the way that he left because I remember when he signed a friend of mine said he's not going to last very long he, he's he's just a 
um, somebody who's in it for the money, um, he'll leave as soon as he can. And I said, no, 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 he actually gets what West Ham are trying to do. Yeah. And I really believe that. And I really felt that he was a different kind of player, not just in the way he played, but in his attitude. But boy, was I wrong. And <laughs> I mean, we've, we've had all sorts of players leave in very unhappy circumstances, but I, I think everyone felt completely let down by him. But we'll always remember him as a brilliant, brilliant yeah, player. Because exactly. you, you, there aren't many players, when the, when the ball goes down five yards outside the penalty area, where you're confident that we're going to get a goal. Yeah. I mean, when, when I mean Aaron Cresswell, bless him, um, he has scored one or two from that distance, but you've never got real that ex- confidence. That expectation, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know no. Um, Solano, actually, was another one where you thought, yeah. well, he's got a chance. Yeah. Um, but Pyatt was different class. Yeah. Some of the trickery that he had was just unbelievable. And I, I, I just thought that he would be my West Ham player of this decade, I think. Yeah, um, I agree. Just, just for his for his impact. So, yeah, he he goes on the left. Exactly, that's a good shout. And as I said, we have before we haven't had many Ballon d'Or nominees in the West Ham team. <laughs> <laughs> Can't remember the, the last one, but yeah, Payet. Well, I think it was that season. He was the thirteenth best player of the in the in the world or something like that. Very unusual for us, um, and also starring in the the Euros that year as well. Again, very usual, unusual for a. You know, an international star to be playing for West Ham, not one of the sort of the top four. You know, anyway. right. so put Dimmy in. Okay, uh, let's let's go the other other wing. Let's go on the right wing. Who have we got in the right wing then, Ian? Um, Alan Devonshire. Yep. I mean, I think I think he played more on the left, didn't he? But um, I, I think he's one of those players that, frankly, it doesn't matter where you put him, um, he he would play really well. Again, I didn't see him play very often, but. Um, I, I have seen a lot of footage of him. And again, he just had that silky ability to just glide past a player with yeah. no effort whatsoever. He was never the yeah. same after he came back from his injury. Um, but it's a bit like Lanzini, isn't it? I mean, he, he's another player that had, possibly still has the potential to be a West Ham great. But you just think he's never quite been the same since he came no. back from that injury. Yeah. Um, I think Alan Devonshire was one of those years and became one of the best players in the country. And how he didn't get more than, did he get two England caps? Something like that. I, so, um, sure. I mean, I, I can't remember who he was up against at that time, but they must have been bloody good players to keep him out of the side. <laughs> well, it's the same as Billy Bonds, wasn't it? You know, having Billy Bonds, you know, yeah. played for England and, and Julian, you know. So, yeah, no, Dev, great shout. Yeah. yeah. As you said, he'll, he'd, and he'd, doesn't matter where you play him, he just drift. And, and that's, that's something which I think we, we, we've lost in the modern game is that sort of free role player. You know, you just let, you know, we don't have that anymore. It's like, yeah. they have to be like a left-footed player who plays on the Wait, right or right you know why? It's, it's weird, isn't it? Because most teams now just play with one striker. So yeah. you would have thought that would leave more space Someone's for somebody space. to have that free yeah. role. But um, I mean, to my mind, Philippe Anderson, the only way he's ever going to work out for West Ham is if he does have that free role mm. but at the moment um, Lanzini um, seems to have got that and I suspect that um, Jared Bowen is the other one that he, he looks to be somebody who if you gave yeah. him a free role but, yeah. but I mean we've only seen what two or three games from him but I'm really impressed by him oh yeah yeah I, I, and, I, and I have when we signed me signed him it was the same level of excitement I had when we signed Dean Ashton because it's like that sort of young English oh, yeah. championship player who you know are just, is just going to be well, mustard 
I was excited because my producer LBC is a whole city fan oh, okay. and he'd always been raving about him he said I don't understand why this guy hasn't been signed by a Premier League side so when the rumours started about West Ham um, he, he showed me all sorts of um, videos about him oh, and I thought well he, he looks the real deal yeah. and there are these players in the lower leagues yeah. if only we take a few more risks on them yeah. and that's the only thing I think I mean, I didn't want David Moyes to come back, but I do think that Moyes will start looking at more English players. Yeah. And I think that would be a good, a, a good thing. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I, yeah, and I, I mean, there's loads, I mean, Brentford have got a couple of really good strikers and Ollie Watkins and stuff. And, you know, people like that would be great. Yeah. Right. Okay. Let's put Dev on the right. Let's go for um, or centre mids or yeah, <laughs> who on the left doesn't really matter. Who's your, who's your, who's your first centre mid player then, Ian? Um, Trevor Brooking, yeah, for obvious reasons. Do I need to explain more? Um, again, I didn't. I didn't see him play many games live, but um, again, the just consummate West Ham player. Um, he, I mean, if I say he was the Mark Noble of his day, I mean that as a compliment in the sense that he 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 never left West Ham. He never really showed. I think there was one point where he nearly. Uh, went to was it Derby County? I think something um, like I think that. Brian Cloughy. Yeah, Cloughy. Um, it was more because he didn't feel the club wanted him, but I mean that didn't happen, and he stayed as we know. And I think he probably retired a couple of years too early. He could have gone on mm-hmm. a bit longer, but he's a real perfectionist. Again, somebody who to look at him, you wouldn't think really was a footballer. No. Um, didn't have the particularly athletic body but um, again like Devonshire he could glide past people with no effort whatsoever Um, he was never going to win many prizes for his tackling but so what you can't there aren't many players that have got every single attribute to their game Um, but if you if you picked uh, if you said who was the West Ham player of the 1970s even well the first half of the 1980s I mean he would probably be it wouldn't he yeah yeah, possibly. Yeah, well, if he did seventy-five to eighty, he yeah. he he would be that player. Yeah, definitely. And as you said, you know, I think someone, I think I mean, I can't remember who it was, like Phil Whelan's or Jim Grant or someone, said, you know, could you imagine Brooking now? Because obviously he was playing on bogs of pitches, and yeah. while these bowling greens, you know, pitches yeah. now, it would be, you know, he was ahead of his time yeah, in that way. Absolutely. Okay, who's Brooking going to partner in the midfield then? Well, this is a player I would want to have a free role. Um, and again, I, I can't believe no anybody would leave this guy out of a team, Paolo Di Canio, yeah. who um, is the best player that I have ever seen play for West Ham, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and he was an entertainer. He wasn't just a footballer. He was an entertainer. And I would have loved to have seen him manage West Ham in some ways. In other other ways, I'd be horrified if he did. Um, I mean, I remember when he went to Swindon, a good friend of mine is a Swindon supporter. And um, I mean, he raved about him because he did a brilliant job at Swindon, but then kind of got too big for his boots. And it, then he went to Sunderland. That didn't work out. And I mean, he will never manage West Ham now. I know, I know that. But um, he gave us such memories. And one main memory was that goal, that wonderful sort of goal that he scored against Wimbledon at Upton Park, where the ball came in from the right from Trevor Sinclair. And he just like jumped and hit it in on the volley with his right foot. Sadly, I was in the Blackwall Tunnel at the time um, because the, 
there was a bad accident and so i never saw that line which i'm still absolutely gutted about um but that but that i mean it goes back to the matches i remember which i forgot to mention this one at the beginning that the 5-4 victory against bradford city yeah yeah uh, i mean he well i mean his performance in inverted commas in that match had to be seen he believed um but I absolutely loved him. Um, yeah. Yes, he's a bit of a fascist, but hey, we can we can forgive him. That. <laughs> <Just tied over>. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's not. Someone else mentioned that goal. I think it was. Well, I think it was Dave Walker uh, from Sex Drives and Colton Cole. And well, no, it wasn't. It was Benji. It was actually Benji Lanyard, I think. And actually, um, his dad or someone was coming up. The, he was coming up the stairs, and he'd turned round and he'd like missed the Canyo volley, and he's like back to was it? And it's like, oh, absolutely brilliant. No, I yeah, think no. My story's better. Your story's <laughs> better than the Blackwell Tunnel. I love that one. That's brilliant. Yeah. Okay, it's nice. Okay, let's go. Let's go for up front, Ian. Who have we got um, up front for you? Um, I've got Tony Cotty. Yeah, was one of them. TC. Um, I didn't see much of him in his first incarnation. Um, his second incarnation obviously wasn't quite as impressive, but again, he was just one of those people that you had confidence would score a goal. Yeah. And although his record wasn't prolific when he came back, it, it wasn't actually that bad. Um, so he would definitely be one of them. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the, the other one would be Dean Ashton. And I, I, that's one of the great what might have been Dean Ashton. He hadn't got that injury playing for England. Um, I, I was in the Good Morning Britain um, green room with Sean Wright Phillips a couple of months ago. And I mean, a lovely, lovely, lovely guy. And I just couldn't bring myself to mention it. But <laughs> I, so, I so, so wanted to. Um, because Dean Ashton, on form, and if you if you think about, and I don't think he played many times with Craig Bellamy. They were bought to play together. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know how many times they played together. But I think it was in single figures. But they just seemed to click. And um, both of them were natural goal scorers. Uh, and they complemented each other. Mm. Dean Ashton could score spectacular goals, but he could also do, I mean, he was also got a lot of tap-ins as well. Um, and Craig Bellamy is a very, very different style of player. Um, somebody that I don't think was very popular with, with most of his teammates. But Dean Ashton, I mean, if he had been, I, I just wonder how often when he goes to bed at night, does he think to himself, oh, yeah. what might have been? He had a great career, but... It could um, have been there. So, of all the strikers, I mean, we've never really had prolific goal scorers, have we? If you think about going back to, I mean, you'd have to go back to the days of Pop Robson for, for us to have a, a regular 20, 25 goal mm. season striker. Um, but Dean Ashton was the nearest, I think, we got. I mean, uh, sorry, I mean, obviously, Cotty and McAvenny in, in the, yeah. the mid 1980s had, had that. But that was really, that was two seasons. Pop Robson did it over four or five seasons. We we've haven't really had anyone since the 70s and 80s that you could be guaranteed to get 15, 20 goals out of. Mm, mm, no, I agree totally, absolutely, totally. And then she said he was Ashton was in mind because I, you know he was he, I thought he was brilliant when he played for us. And as you said, he would have been him. It would have been him and Rooney up front, partnering England. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Dino wouldn't have been around for many more seasons if he wasn't injured. 
think it injured Rivas because he might well, have moved he was, on. He was a heavy boy, wasn't he? Yeah, he was yeah, a big I, mean, I think players like that are probably always prone to get more serious injuries. Um, but it, it, it was just such a shame. And I, when we signed Sebastian Allaire, I thought he's going to be another Dean Ashton in yeah. the way that he, he's a big guy as well. Mm. And he got off to a really good start. But again, he's somebody that if you buy a striker like that, you've got to play to their strengths. Agreed, and he, yeah, his strength is when he has someone playing alongside him. Mm. And when he has had someone playing alongside him, He's come to life again. Yeah, but yeah. I the, think they've yeah. really got to think about what. Well, it's the last, the last couple of games. He's a quality. Definitely. So carry on. Yeah. So it's the last couple of games. Definitely. Well, when he had Antonio with him, it was. Yeah. Remarkable in terms of how better he was playing. Yeah, no, he's, he's another one of my favourites, Antonio. I just think what what a player. Um, no one ever knows what he's going to do next. I'm not sure he does, does. but he scares the shit out of the opposition, and that I love that. And the team is never quite the same when he's not in it. No, there's that injection of pace that he brings, which no yeah. one, which I can't I, think of anyone I mean, for a long time, he's done that. I would, I would put him in a team above Anderson. I would put him in a team above Lanzini. Um, I mean, he would be one of the first players on the team sheet for me. But again, he's another one that I'm not sure is massively popular with his teammates. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, Ian, that's a, that's a lovely team. Um, and it's been absolutely great chatting to you. I've really, really enjoyed it. It's been really fun. Um, and so you've got Greeno in goal. We've got Julian, Alvin, Bonzo, Sebastian Schemmel, Pyatt, Icanio, Brookin, Dev, Cotty and Ashton up front. Oh, in their prime, that would do, definitely do a job. That would do yep, the job. Would. <laughs> that, would, that would pay for my season ticket. I'd go and see them, that's for sure. <laughs> it's been absolutely brilliant, Ian. And obviously, thanks everyone for watching as well. Obviously, you know what to do. Like, share, subscribe. Uh, obviously, Ian's on LBC every Monday to Thursday, 7 till 10. Monday to Thursday, 7 till 10, yeah. There we go. I've done my research. <laughs> Very good. And, and until next time, guys, take care and stay safe. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.